Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for um, this entire weekend, God. I cannot, I can't believe it's already the point in time that we're at the retreat. I feel like it's flown, flown by so quickly, but um, I'm just so very grateful for this time, God. Um, I know I say this every single time, but girls' classes, they're always my fave. Um, I love being a woman. I love getting to work with women. I love um, just the very unique and special way that you made us, God, and I'm just excited today to talk about um, just the, the decisions that we can make in our life, therefore, to produce the most fruit, God, and to just, just to have the, the best life um, that I know that you want for each person here. Uh, thank you for sending your son to die on the cross for us, and um, just uh, allow us to just, um, just to learn the most we can, God. Just pray for our hearts to be soft and to be willing to uh, just take in your word, God. Um, thank you for everything you've done. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. All right, so today we're going to talk about good, better, best. This is probably one of my absolute favorite things that I feel like I have learned in my walk in my relationship with God. I feel like you kind of start off your relationship with God and you are like, yes, best, 100%, all the way, couldn't feel more on top of the world. And then um, uh, I have three children, so I should not get as easily distracted as I do. But I just want to apologize now. If anybody darts around, I'm going to look. So, um, you know, and then I think it's really easy for us to just really fall into a, a place of just like this constancy. You know, there, I, I can say my own personal walk with God, and I am like type A, I am firstborn daughter. I am perfectionist all the way, and yet I still know even in the temperament that I have, it is very easy for me, like I said, to fall in that sea of complacency and bare minimum and laziness and, you know, wanting everything to be perfect, and if it can't absolutely be perfect and it can't absolutely do everything the very, very best, then should I even bother to try at all? You know, to beat myself up if it can't be that way, to numbing and being like, oh well, what'll be, what'll, you know, it'll be, it'll be, like, you know. So, um, and I know I've talked to a lot of girls even this weekend about just that, you know, that struggle of just constantly falling in that place. And so when we talk about like there being a good, uh, a better, and a best, I feel so very strongly about that. Um, I've been married for 20 plus years. Um, I have almost two children grown and raised, and one more that's on the cusp of teenagerism. And I can definitely say with 100% certainty that making the very best, striving for the best, will always be the best decision. Um, it is, like I said, it's incredibly easy for us to look at things and be like, you know, is this okay, or is this good, good enough? But like I said, 20 plus years of marriage, and I'm talking to probably, you know, there might be a few of you in here that's like not for me, but I would say for the most part, most of you ladies in here are like, I want, you know, I, okay, I'm not gonna, I saw your faces when RJ was talking. I saw the tears, I saw the fanning, like, I know what we long for. Like, I'm a huge reader, I've read, like, I told someone the other day, I think I'm on a pace, like, so far this year, like, a book a day. And one of my favorite things is love, love story. You know, I do love it. It can be high, high fantasy, but, man, I need there to be this knight in shining armor somewhere in there. That's just going to, like, have true, true love. 
And, I, and no matter what we try to tell ourselves, no matter what society tells us, there is that part that God put inside of us that we want to have that really good, healthy relationship. You know, you see these marriages, you see these families. I, I would also venture to bet there's probably at least 50% of us here, if not more, that say, I do not want what I had. I am, I'm the president of that, of that club. I do not want to replicate what I grew up in. But yet we're sitting here talking about like fruit and you know vines and, and harvest. And unfortunately, guys, we're 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 not we're not planting that stuff right now. Right now, for most of you guys, you are in these formative years to plant those things to be able to have this harvest of best at the end. So we're gonna look at a ton of scripture today. And like I said, I just really hope and pray that you guys will just really allow God's word to speak to you. The very first verse that we're going to look at is Philippians 1, 9 through 11. It's going to be our main, our main verse we're going to look at. It says, and I pray that your love may abound still more and more in real knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve the things that are excellent in order to be sincere and blameless until the day of Christ, having been filled with the fruit of righteousness, which comes through Jesus Christ, to the glory and praise of God. You know, Paul suggests here that there are some areas for betterment. We may be doing good. We may be doing slightly better. Um, some of us may be really making that, you know, that champion effort at being the best, but none of us is perfect, and our better can always be better yet. Specifically, um, how choosing to grow to make us love better, and how that's going to produce fruit. Like I said, perfectionists coming to you. Like a number one firstborn daughter, 100%. I haven't seen that new movie, but I've heard the song enough to know. I've seen enough TikToks to know that there is a lot of us women that are relating to that Encanto, is that what it's called? That song about the like feeling the pressure and got to handle everything and I've, everything's got it, you know, on my shoulders. And like I said, I haven't even seen the movie. And yet every time that comes up, I'm like, don't cry, don't cry. But there is that part inside of us. It's like, that is ingrained that we want to provide the best. I truly believe that the vast majority of you in here want your ministries to grow. You look at your small group, and I highly doubt any of you are like, I hope this withers and dies. And I'm real. there might be a couple of you in here that are like, yeah, I don't give a what. And I really hope that you sit here and you, and you listen you know, to all of these lessons this week and that your heart has changed. But for the most part, I would say most of you are like, I want to see my campus be changed. I, don't, I want to see my high school be something different. I want my workplace. I see these people, and, and I want to make a difference. Like I said, 100% of you in here want your families to at least be as good, if not way better, than what you grew up in. So it's really important that we look at that, and we have this humility to say, even if you know I think I'm doing a lot of good things, there's always a room to, to, to make something better, to do what God calls me to and to go a step higher. If love is the key to righteous fruit, how do I love best? And I'm really glad that RG talked about love in its sense because it just set everything up perfectly and I feel like there's so many things that I didn't have enough time to talk about that I don't need to because he talked about it. You know, um, that loving God first and foremost, that everything needs to, needs to, to overflow out of that love for God. But I am a practical person. It's very, very easy to say, love God and things, you know, and then, you know, those things will happen. But for me, a lot of times, I need to know how. So one of the ways this verse says is that I can love best in my love includes knowledge and discernment. Um, 
It says, I pray that your love may abound still more and more in real knowledge and all discernment. And discernment means to make a judgment. Judgment is to see the difference between things and choose the best and the wisest. It's prudence, wisdom, seeing life and its choices from God's perspective. Like I said, there are many paths that you can take. And not all of them are going to end up, you know, in a gutter somewhere, you know, with the absolute worst, you know, outcome in life. But there are many, many paths that are wide and they're open and they're easy and they're, you know, okay, but they're definitely not the best. And it, the, the, the key to us being able to be the kind of women that make these decisions right here, right now in your life. So that you're not sitting back 10, 15 years down the road in marriage counseling going, what the heck? And I know right now a lot of you guys are like, mm, I am telling you guys, I live every single day with people my own age that are sitting there in their 30s and their 40s. And they're like, why could I not make a better decision when I was younger? Why was I so willing to just do the bare minimum when I was younger? Why did I just latch myself on to the first thing that came along that was good enough? You know, why did I make this decision for my job, with my money, with all these different things? Why did I not strive to make the very best? Like I said, guys, it's not just about marriage and family relationships. I, I know people my, own, my age that have had to file bankruptcy once, twice, because they could not make better, best decisions when they were close to some of y'all's age. You know, I look at people that I'm like, you had two, three cars repossessed, and you, there's absolutely no reason for you to be sitting in this place right now. You know, I've literally talked to some friends that have talked to girls that grew up in the campus ministry that are now, you know, in their mid-30s, and they're like, I'm sitting here without a real career, without any structure in life, moving in and out of my mom and dad's house, and I put myself here because when I had the choice to make good decisions, you know, and they weren't out necessarily doing all this like bad stuff, but they were like, I never chose to do the hard thing and make the best decision. Um, so how do I learn to judge slash choose in a godly way? The first one is James 1.5. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives to all generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. I'll be the first one to admit to you guys, when someone says you need to pray about it, you need to ask God for it, my initial gut reaction is, okay, like, <laughs> like that's a hokey spell, like, ask God. But I, I promise you guys, as someone who, you know, can go into a situation and be like, I know how to handle this, my, I, I have to have, like, settings on my watch to notify me and other people when my heart rate gets up way, way too high, because sometimes I'll just be sitting there and I'll be like, I have no idea what to do in this situation or I have no idea how to handle this, and my heart, my head will be okay, but my heart will go, no, let's do 170 beats per minute right now while we're sitting still. And I have found that whether or not I understand it or not, before I walk into a situation, and it can be something as simple as I'm gonna walk into a room and I don't know a lot of people there. It can be I'm going to have a conversation I don't wanna have. It can be, I, you know, it can be anything. If I take the time to sit back and pour my heart out to God and ask him for help. I can't, you know, like give you like A, B, C, and D. This is exactly how it happens. Like here's the science behind it all. But I can tell you this, God has 100% been there for me. And I've seen it happen so many other times. And if God says, you don't have the wisdom, ask me for it. The number one person that we need to humble ourselves with is God and just be God, I just don't know what I'm doing. Please help me, give me the wisdom, you know. Um, 
Proverbs 2, 2 through 5 says, Tune your ears to wisdom and concentrate on understanding. Cry out for insight and ask for understanding. Search for them as you would for silver. Seek for them like hidden treasures. Then you will understand what it means to fear the Lord and you will gain the knowledge of God. I mean, you guys, you look at this. It's not like, oh, just casually ask. It says, seek, find it, ask for it, beg for it, cry out for it. I would venture to say that if I asked, took a, a blind survey, how many of us desperately seek out wisdom and answers and knowledge to the daily decisions that we have to make by begging God, by pleading for it, for searching it out, for seeking for it, you know, what, what, any way you possibly can. I would venture to say that probably the vast majority of us are like, ah, oh, at times, maybe here or there, maybe something I really, 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 really want. You know, you look at these people who have this vast amount of knowledge about things. Um, okay, so I'm gonna use this as an example. So when um, I'm on Marvel Talk, so when No Way Home came out, like everybody was like, spoiler, spoiler, spoilers. But I'm telling you, that movie was out for one day before there were people that were like, here are the charts. This is how this person applies to this. And I don't know if you guys noticed, but in the very back corner of this scene, there was this one guy, and, he's in, and he is in um, the comic 143. Now he makes a slight appearance here, but then if you'll notice, in four television shows back, in 1996, they mentioned this, and I'm like, oh my gosh, like, do you guys get paid for this? Is this your job? Like, and you, but you look behind most of those people, and they have, like, all the comics lined up. They have, like, all these, you know, rare edition things. They are able to see, and they have this vast amount of knowledge about something that literally will mean zilch at the end of the day. Like nobody is like giving these people like, you know, Nobel Peace Prize awards. No one is like, my life was forever, you know, was going down the tubes, but then this guy, but yet the amount of passion and the desire and the effort that they put into that. Now that can go into so many different things. Like I said, there are so many different areas of life that we can look at and be like this. This is what I want. I don't know what it is for you. Maybe it's your schooling. Maybe it's your job. Like, like I said, maybe you have a passion. Like, I watch even some of these girls and the way they do, like, contouring and makeup. And I'm like, I've never put that much energy and thought into something you did in five minutes in my entire life. But yet they just, they know the knowledge. They know, they know geometry on the face like nobody's business. But they are constantly, like, soaking up the knowledge for that. Anybody who is an expert in their field, anybody who is very successful at something, I guarantee you, has put these, you know, these adjectives and these verbs into play. They've, they have tuned their ears. They've concentrated. They've cried out for it. They've sought for it. They're willing to look foolish for some of these things, you know, stay up all night long to, to figure something out. Are we doing that with the same things in our lives that really, truly make a difference? Who you choose to spend the rest of your life with, where you choose to go to college, the jobs you take, the way you choose to spend your money, who you let in between your legs. And I'm not saying that to be funny, but sometimes it's like our world makes it seem like it's just like this thing that just doesn't matter at all. Like there are so many decisions in our life that we say, I know that this is what God says, or maybe we don't know because we haven't done these things, but for the most part, I think we like, this might be a best thing, but I'm just gonna do the bare minimum, or the okay thing, or the like, I don't really know if this is a big deal, but I haven't really sought any advice for it. 
You know, the world today has lost a lot of the distinction, like I said, between right and wrong, and that's called godly discrimination. I truly, like, I sent my, my junior higher up to Clint's class to talk about how to live in the world but not be in the world. Because, man, when he went to sixth grade and he sat at a lunch table, he came home and was like, well, that's a whole new world. That is a whole new world from elementary school. And he's like, I don't really know even what to say because everything that was said was wrong. And I can't sit there the whole time and be like, that's wrong. Well, that's wrong. Like, we can't talk like that. Don't say that. But he's like, but I don't even know. He was like, I know in my heart it's wrong. But there are things that even like his teachers say that I'm like, that's not okay. That's not right. <laughs> like, they shouldn't be saying that. But our world really has made it to where there's like, there's no right or wrong, or the lines are so blurred. And that, it is imperative for us as godly women to keep that very, very, very um, clear line of godly discrimination. And like I said before, it affects every single area, relationships, jobs, school, food, sex, everything. So a couple questions, like I said, I'm a practical person. I like to kind of have a checklist. I like to be able to ask myself questions. I like to, you know, just be able to look and see, like, how do things line up? Am I doing these things? So a few questions that we can ask ourselves in any decision that we make. Um, there is five questions. The very first one is, does it glorify God? That right there is your end-all, be-all. If you can't get past question A, there is no reason to go on to any of the other questions. If, if God says, don't do it, this does not please me, this does not glorify me, then it's a no-brainer that that is a, that should go in the bad category. Not even the like, maybe, good, there's better, best. There is a yes or no, too, that we need to be very clear on. I know we're talking about trying to make the best, but that is our very first one, is does it glorify God? And that goes to number two, does it ever cause me to disobey God? So there might be something that you're like, okay, well, I'm not really sure if like, taking this job or whatever would like bring glory to God, it could. And for the most part, I think there's a lot of things that we, it's how you choose to live them, whether or not you bring glory to God. You know, you think about someone who plays on a, I think of sports teams, I grew up playing sports. You know, sometimes people come ask me like, I don't know if I should play this sport or not because it takes up a lot of time or it has this or it has that, what do you think? And my first thing is like, well, how are you gonna use it? Are you gonna use it to glorify God? Are you going to use it to be able to go out there and have a platform to be able to tell people, to be able to reach out to teammates, to be able to just, you know, use this talent and ability that God gives you to please God? Or is it, you know, because you want it, because it makes you feel good? But the second thing is, like, it, does it cause me to disobey God? So if there's something that you are being presented right in front of you, here's a decision to make, here's a choice to make, and you have to lie about it all. I mean, that's something that... My very first thing when people come to me, they're like, do you think this is wrong? And I'm like, did you have to lie? I know this seems like, you know, very irrelevant. But I think it's a good point to get across. Last night, two of the team boys were like, we want to do a couple's massage together. Because couple's massages are cheaper than individual massages. <laughs> and Jackson's like, what if they ask you to prove that you're a couple? Like, and I was like, okay, this isn't like an Adam Sandler movie. They're not going to ask you to do that. But the very first question I would ask is, Will you have to lie? I know it seems small. I know it seems like it's not that big a deal. I love to save a good dime too. So there's part of me that's like, well, we're a couple of friends. And maybe that's an option. Maybe you can be like, what kind of couple do you need here? A couple of two, two goofballs? Then yeah, that's us. Like, 
But if they're asking, like, are you two in an intimate relate? Like I said, this is not really relevant. You know, this is like small in the grand scheme of things. But I think there's a lot of situations in our life that we're like, does this cause me, will I have to lie? It's a really difficult thing when it comes to sometimes with school and like sharing answers. I know it seems small, but there's even times with my son that I'm like, could you not have cheated off of somebody in this situation? Like your grade is so bad. Could you not have done anything to, you know, to just whatever? But I do feel like there's those, you know, there's those classes where they're like, well, we can share, we can work together as a group. But I'm like, but are you cheating? Are you flat out like your teacher said not to copy off of someone? You know, there's like, like I said, those little bitty things. But then there's big things in our life. If you're having to lie to the people around you to do something, that's always been a really good like indicator for me. If I don't want anybody to know I'm not, that I'm doing it, I've probably got no business doing it. If I don't want my people in this room to know I do it, so I got like my private story and then I got my public story, then you shouldn't be doing it because you're lying about it, which is disobeying God. You know, many other things. Like I said, it can go in every area of your life. If, you, if God says, don't be unequally yoked, and you're saying, well, but, and you're disobeying God, then the answer is not, ah, maybe, maybe, you know, whatever. The answer is no. Number three, does it compromise my faith and my convictions? It might be one of those things, like I said, where you look at it and you're like, okay, this is not a black or white situation. There's a whole world that lives in gray, am I right? There's a whole place that lives in gray. Is this going to cause me to maybe start to eh, make compromises here or there? You know, it's, I, for me, it's easier when it's black or white, when it's yes or no. But when it's like, eh, and again, I am not the, I am not the final authority on this. I know there's a lot of different ways. I know the Bible says not to be drunk. But for me, as someone who grew up in, that, in, in a very you know, a, abusive and addictive family of a lot of alcoholics, I know for me, I don't want my convictions to even be anywhere blurred in that line. So for me, I know i got to stay as far away over on the other line. For the, for, if you're in high school right now, parties but I'm not drinking, but I'm not doing this, but I'm not doing that. Is it causing you to blur those lines of conviction? Is it causing you to teeter-top, you know, to step over those lines? Does it enslave me? Again, this is something that, like, for everybody, this is, this is where I feel like things start to become that it's not a bad thing, but is it a better, best thing? Like I said, me, reading, I'm just, like, I'm in it, I'm, like, I wouldn't say I'm addicted, but I really, really enjoy reading right now. I read a ton of books. And one thing I always have to ask myself is I don't want to become to a point where this enslaves me. Okay? Like, so, for instance, like social media. I took a long break from social media. Like, completely got off. Like, disconnected from it altogether. Um, I'm going to be real with you guys. One of the best times of my life. I didn't even realize the amount of peace that I felt during that time. It became to where I almost forgot it existed. I'll be like, oh yeah, that is a thing, isn't it? Like, I'd be like, how do you guys know all this stuff? And honestly, to a certain extent, it was kind of nice to not always constantly have all of this drama garbled up in my head all the time. It really did force me to have like personal interactions with people. But I know for, for all of us, there's something that's enslaving you. It could be, like I said, good grades. Man, 
I know I say this every time, get good grades, do your best in school, work hard. I 100% believe that if you're doing something, you should do it to the very best of your ability. But if your school and your grades enslaves you, if that's where your identity comes from, if it's like, I gotta do this before I will do anything else, you can't read your Bible, but man, you can study for that test and get straight A's. You can't you know, go to these times that you know will be fulfilling for your relationship with God, those intimate times, because you've gotta study for a test. You know, you've gotta look, or even like, you know, just you can't ever miss school because you know, for anything, because that's your number one, you know, in priority, then that's where it starts to enslave you. And I am telling you guys, not only will it not make for the best decision down years down the road, you will become incredibly resentful of those things. There's a lot of things I look at that I thought I had to do. I got so much worth out of, I got so much identity out of that I look back now and I'm like, I'm so glad I'm done with that part of my life because it just made me miserable to be constantly enslaved to it. And the last thing is, does it ruin my witness to others? Again, this is where I'm saying with some of you guys with those like, uh, is it this, is that? I, I'm just gonna be real with you. If somebody sees you at a party, at a frat party, at a, at a high school party, if someone sees you dancing it up at a bar that is known for just like debauchery, they're not thinking, man, good godly girl. Like, they're going to associate you with where you're at, you know, in those situations. You know, there are certain places that we know that we shouldn't be. There's certain things that we know we shouldn't be doing. Um, I have, like, I, I've always said, like, I have a really hard and fast rule that I will never, ever be alone with another man since I've been married. I don't care who they are. I don't care if they're the best person ever. I don't ever want, like, them to be at my house and then my husband be gone and somebody see a man leave my house. You know what I'm saying? I was like, I don't ever want to put myself in a situation where anybody would ever question, you know, that about me. Okay, so now that we went through those five questions, um, we gotta, um, we gotta really. Uh, I love my best when my love includes knowing what really matters, and that goes into priorities. It says, and I pray that your love may abound more and more in real knowledge and discernment, which you talked about, so that you may approve the things that are excellent. How can I decide what my priorities are? And I really need to ask myself. And the very first thing I need to ask myself is, does God place value on my choice? Colossians 3, 1 through 4 says, Therefore, if you've been raised up with Christ, keep seeking things above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things that are of the earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with, with Christ in God. Philippians 3, 7 through 9 says, But whatever things were gained to me, those things I have counted as lost for the sake of Christ. More than that, I count all things to be lost in view of, of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them but rubbish, so that I may have gained Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law, but that which is in faith in Christ. And lastly, in Ecclesiastes 12, 13 through 14, the conclusion when all has been heard is this, Fear God and keep his commandments, because this applies to every person. For God will bring every act to judgment and everything which is hidden, whether it is good or evil. Does God place a value on the decision I'm making? Like I said, I look at so many women and the things that we put so much value in. And I, I, I feel like, even for myself, sometimes I have, to, I have to ask myself, like, one, at the end of the day, will this even matter? Will this even be a, an issue? Okay, I'm a mom, I got three kids, I got a house. 
I can tend to get really wrapped up on wanting things to like be perfect around the house. Should I be clean? Absolutely. Should our home be something that's inviting? Absolutely. However, I know that at the end of the day, if I don't get all my laundry 100% done and put away, and someone doesn't walk inside my house and think, there are people that live here. If it doesn't look like, and I does, it never looks like a showroom. But there's a lot of people that I look at and like, their house looks like no one lives there. That's what mine should look like. And it never has, it never will. Like one, I birthed three of the biggest slobs known to man, and then I married the fourth. <laughs> but they don't put that same value on it as I do. And guess what? Neither does God. At the end of the day, I sit there and I, I'll be like, <sighs> like to the point where I am literally ready to like rip through the walls and like Kool-Aid man into my kids' rooms and just like lose my it on them. And I have to sometimes, and I'm not saying that this is always, but there are sometimes I have to take a step back and be like, if everything were to end today and we all face God, he's not going to give a what how many Legos were on that floor. He's not going to give a what that my throw pillows were, I had half of them Christmas and half of them were changed over to Valentine's Day. And Amazon was running behind and for two days, I had anxiety and I kept telling people, don't judge, don't turn those other pillows around because those ones are still Christmas. They probably wouldn't even turn them around, but I busted myself out. But it, for some reason, it was something that I was like, people will judge me. People will think I'm a bad house. And then, and I'm like sitting there looking at, like having this conversation with myself like, does God give a what about whether or not my throw pillows have been changed over the seasons? Absolutely not. God doesn't give a what about that. Honestly, guys, for the vast majority of you, the, even, even the major that you're in right now, God's like, cool, I hope you do really good in it. I hope you use it for the best thing. But if you choose to... I mean, I clean houses for a living, guys. Like, I went to school to be a dentist. I have three years of pre-med under my belt, and I clean houses for a living, and I freaking love it. It's the best job ever. I'm my own boss. I make really good money. I get to, you know, get to go to all my kids' stuff. It's an, it's an amazing thing. But I don't think that God's like, gosh, you, you know, like, you had that. You got all that. And, and you're cleaning people's toilets? Like, you're literally on your hands and knees half the day, like, scrubbing floors? God doesn't get, God just doesn't care about that. It doesn't matter. And in in, God puts zero value on the fact that I'm a house cleaner versus if I was a dentist or a doctor or anything else. And again, like I said, I believe you guys should work your hardest. I believe you should make wise decisions. Like, I'm sorry, but if you barely got out of high school, please don't sign up for law school. Like, just don't do it to yourself unless it's just like you're like, okay, you know, I didn't work hard then and I could now. But you know what I'm saying? Like, make wise decisions. Like, you know, maybe go to community college for a couple years because it'll put you in a better financial state, you know, and you're not drowning in debt. But also, if you go to college and you live on those dorms, God cares about what you do with that time there, with that decision that you make there. The vast majority of girls I know who grew up to be successful women, none of it matters what, what they studied in college. It's what they did in those dorm rooms late at night. I have studied the Bible with so many girls in a dorm room late at night, middle of the day. I've taken naps in dorm rooms. I've driven girls' meetings at 6 a.m. in there. And those are the moments that they will talk about. 
Those are the moments they take into being a wife and a mother. Those things that they learned how to love people, how to care about people, how to learn how to study God's word, how to change their life from something that was completely opposite. Those are the things that they're taking that are making them successful women now. The things that God places the value on. You know, he says, like, those are, those are things that, like, were gained to me, but I count them for a loss for the sake of Christ. When you guys are truly passionate about your relationship with God, the things you put value on before will seem like no big deal. I, I promise you guys, this is someone, like I said, who struggled with wanting to be perfect at all times. Perfect body, tsh. Like, I literally this morning was getting ready, and I was like, I cannot wear this shirt. <laughs> I cannot wear this shirt. It does not fit me. I guess when I packed it, the last time I wore it was a few months ago. And I'm telling you, a few years ago, that would have devastated me. That would have been, oh my gosh, this day, I have to do this when I get home. And instead, I was like, it's bulking season. We'll shed that later. But today is going to be a good day. Like, I'm not going to let that affect me. Because I'm here doing something that's far more important than whether or not I have a little bit of extra chub on my, on my stomach right now. But I am telling you guys, those are things that used to really, really matter to me. Those were things that I thought were so valuable that now I'm like, man, I'm like sitting there like watching like, can we give this lesson? And one of the biggest thing I just kept thinking when she was like saying the things was like, oh God, I didn't completely screw up like I thought I, like, <laughs> like I thought I would. Like as a man, I was not a perfect mom. And there were so many things that I wish I would have done differently or I should have done this way or I should have done that way. And when she said, I always knew God was number one, whether I liked it, whether I liked the, the exact decision she, they made or the things they told me, I knew that the number one reason why they said it is because they wanted God to be important. I said, okay, like I can take a deep breath because that's all I really wanted for my kids. That's all I really wanted. I don't give a what where they go to school. You know, I see all my other friends and they're like, my kid graduated, blah, blah, blah. And I'll be honest with you, even in her case, it was that way. There was all these honors. There was all this stuff. And I'm like, I don't even give a what about that. Like, look at her. She loves God. Like, she's passionate about God. Like, she's going to, you know, she's going to, like, carry on this, like, you know, something from a really screwed up, messed up girl who felt like a lot of times she was failing, but still continued to put God first. You know? And that goes into, like, our last point is, will this matter eternally or is it temporary? One of my very favorite things to do every year is go to teen camp. I love going to teen camp. I love talking to the teenagers there because of all things. I wish that was the point in time when I would have met God. I was lucky. I was, like, barely 17 when I went to college, so I feel like I still kind of got a little bit of a jump start. But good God, I wish, I wish, I wish, I wish I would have had this in high school because it is so easy in those teen and early college years and 20s to just have this tunnel vision of seeing what is right in front of you. This, and I'm not saying that it doesn't happen like later on in life because I know plenty of 30 and 40 year olds who can't see more than like six inches in front of their face. But by the time you kind of get to my age, you kind of recognize those people and you feel kind of sorry for them that they can't see past this. But I'm telling you guys, if you can make every decision and ask yourself, is this temporary or is this eternal? There is, should be a no-brainer. And unfortunately, I've talked to enough girls that are like, I feel like I kind of want to do what I want to do now. And, and it's worth the risk to me, you know, to spend eternity apart from God. And I, like recently, I've even had that conversation with a girl who's chosen 
to walk away from God, and she's had everything at her fingertips. And it breaks my heart, but I think that sometimes we're not asking ourselves that question clear enough. You know, when you're sitting there, and I'm telling, like, I, like, even still to this day, I am very much a sexual person. Like, right here, right now, if my husband were to come and be like, you want to go hook up in the bathroom? I'd be like, heck, yes, I do. I get it. Like, I, you talk about, like, like I'm not that, that old woman that's like, yeah. Like, and, but what I'm telling you guys is, like, I get that being thrown in, like, the, the passions and the lust. But if you can step back for two seconds and let that lust-fogged brain out and ask yourself, is this something that right now will please me? But in eternity, it could separate me from God. And I'm not just talking about like that. Like, guys, I get to sit there and watch every single day, you know, have a Kennedy have a stepdaughter that like, oh my gosh, we love her to pieces. But there were so many decisions that were made in a temporary that now this little girl and everybody involved is having to deal with because it was very difficult to see eternally. So yes, there are things right here, right now that we're gonna deal with. But, you, but, but it's time for you guys, every single person in here is at that point in their life that they need to ask themselves, if these decisions that I'm making, whether or not they are so freaking hard right now, maybe you are in a place right now where it is like so hard to hold on. And you're like, I don't really see a light at the end of the tunnel. When um, I had a conversation with a couple people, like, it feels like we've kind of been riding that bottom of the roller coaster for a little bit now. When do we get to go, you know, to the top? I get that, and I totally understand. And I'm telling you as someone who has deeply, deeply struggled with some of those really, with those valleys of looking around and being like, is there really a point? Is there really something worth holding on to? But we have to ask ourselves those questions like, is this something that I see right here, right now? This sucks right here, right now. This is a very hard decision to make right here, right now. I've gotten myself in a really crappy position right here, right now. Or, or this is something that it seems really fun and this is what I want to do right here, right now. But we're so short-sighted that we don't see what it does to our relationship with God. That we, like I said, some of you guys got top-tier goals. And great, you should. I hope that you guys do listen to, I mean, I swoon every time RJ talks. Like, he's my brother-in-law, but we've already made plans that if something happens to the siblings, we ain't going nowhere else. We're sticking it out. <laughs> like, top-tier top man right there. I say for myself, yes, he is messy, but he's a top-tier man. I hope all of you are 40 years old and still get worshipped by the man that you've been married to for 20 plus years to the point that you're annoyed by it. But I also hope that you guys will have a man that always puts God first, that always fights for your family. I have a dad that chose to go do what was, what was cool in the moment and desert his family and go start a new one and has zero relationship with me. I don't want that kind of thing. I don't want that for any of you guys. You guys want top tier men. You guys want top tier family. You want top tier friendships. I see some of you guys like, I want that. I want what those people have over there. I want that relationship. I want people to truly know me and love me and fight for me. I want people who, who believe in me enough to say the hard things to me. And then it happens, they're like, yeah, no, not really. I don't really want to put in that hard work. I don't really want to make these small little decisions right now. I don't really want to plant the stuff that's going to have this amazing harvest at the end. You can, I know you've heard it in every single lesson, so we're going to finish it out right now. You cannot plan crap 
and have like some beautiful thing grow from it. Now you need the crap around it. <laughs> you gotta weather the crap to be able to. But too often, like I said, I'm just devastated by watching some of the decisions that I see some, some girls make that are all y'all's age that I'm like, why? Not only that, but you guys aren't having to do this alone. You have a whole group of people that are like fighting for you and they're cheering for you and they're saying like, no, don't go that way, go this way. You know, like you do those like blind races, like didn't you guys have to do that in elementary school or anything like that, where like you blindfold someone. We do it at camp. So we did at camp, we blindfolded all these kids and then we had a rope and we said, everybody follow the rope and be blindfolded. You always got that one kid on a team that's like, like we're like, go straight. And he's like, go straight forward? What? And you're like, go straight forward. Like you got a person in front of you and a person behind you. And at one point in time on my team this last year, like one of the girls just picked the dude up and threw him over his shoulder. It was like, you just, we're gonna come this way. Don't be that person. <laughs> I will come and pick some of you up and I will fight you until, you know, I can say that I've exhausted every single opportunity. But why? Why make it so hard on yourself? Guess what that kid came out with? So many scratches and like thorns and all this other stuff because he was like walking into random wooded trees and we're like, there's literally a rope to hold on to. There's literally 13 other people on your team. Me and four other team leaders were walking beside you being like, go this way, go that way. And when we look at it, like, it's all on video, I can show you guys later. But you look at it and you say, what, why? You know, and everyone's like, that's so foolish. But in our own lives, we do the same thing. We're like, well, I don't really know how to get there, and I don't know what I'm doing, and I feel so overwhelmed, and there's so much craziness going around, and I know I have, like, people in my life that are, like, trying to help me, and they're fighting for me, but I really want to run off into the woods of, of barbed wire and, and thorns, because I, and literally this last week, I heard a guy who say, who should be here this week, whose family is so far ingrained in addiction, and I mean, like, drug addiction, bad, all the families torn apart. His literal response was, I don't want to be a sheep. I think we should be able to do this us and God. And everyone around was just like, that is maybe the dumbest thing I have ever heard you say, but I can't force you. We'll be here ready for you. Hopefully you won't take too long to come back before you start making these decisions. But when we look at our relationship with God, when we look at the fruit we want to bear, when we look at the friendships we want to have, when we look at the people in the, that God has put in our path, we have got to be making best top tier decisions. The discernment has got to be there, guys. If you don't know it, seek it out. Get in your word. Find out what the Bible, I'm, I say this every single time, I am literally floored, and I mean literally, because I don't like when people use it the wrong way, like floored, like knocked down to the ground. When I hear people say something, and I'm like, that's not at all, what, that's not what the Bible says. But they'll be like, well, I think blah, blah, blah. I think God would want this. I think God would be this, you know? And I'm like, what, are your, what, what is your evidence for that? Whose life do you see that turn out in? You say you want this. You guys see that TikToker's like, so you want this. Yeah, and you want this, but you don't want to do this. And it's usually the thing that gets you there, and they're like, yeah. And I'm like, that's life. That is 100% sums up the vast majority of unsuccessful people's life. You know, they're like, so you want to lose weight, you want to get stronger, you want to do this, but you don't want to eat healthy or go to the gym. They're like, yeah. 
And they're like, okay. I'm like, that's just, that is us. How many times have we been in that foolish place? We're like, oh, I want to have a really deep relationship with God. But I don't want to get in my word. And I don't want you to say anything to me. I want really good things to happen. I want, you know, my life to turn out like this. I want to be successful in these areas. I want to be this. And then people step into our lives and say, okay, well, hold up. This doesn't line up with the Bible. And they're like, don't you come at me with that. No, I don't want to hear any of that. And guys, that's what I'm telling you. It's like we can't have it both ways. The Bible is very clear about this. And he also says that, you know, when we have these things, that we can't expect to, for it to turn out well in the end. 1 John 2, 15 through 17 says, Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and his desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. When my love abounds, my knowledge and discernment grows, and I have godly priorities, I will see the fruit in my life. And we're going to end on Luke 6. 45. Good people bring good things out of the good they stored in their hearts, but evil people bring evil things out of the evil they store in their hearts. People speak the things that are in their hearts. So my, just my, my plea, my beg to you guys, you know, as we start to head back and we start to go, some of you are going to a new semester, some of you are maybe going into a new chapter in your life, I don't know what it is, but I can tell you this, is that we cannot grow out the good things without having the good things in our heart. If there is bitterness there, if there is anger there, if there is rebelliousness, if there is an inability to, you know, an unwillingness to repent, I am begging you to do whatever you can out of everything that you've heard. You know, maybe it's the pruning, maybe it's that, like the quiet times you need to get your word, maybe it's the, the humility that you just need to say like, oh my gosh, like I don't even care anymore what people think of me or whatever, I just want to get this out there and I want to get help. I am begging you guys to please take those things. Because like I said, I have, I'm hoping I have a few more years left in my life. But after you know, being a Christian for, for 20 plus years and, and getting to raise a family, I can 100% tell you guys, without any shadow of a doubt, and there, like I said, have been some really dark days. It has not always been rainbows and butterflies. There's been some times when I was like barely holding on. But there is nowhere better to be than in God's family, and that you guys are so incredibly blessed to have people in your life that are willing to fight this fight for you. So as you guys leave and you guys, you know, and, and you you take this stuff, I just, I beg you to get in there, look over these verses over and over again until they're like just, you know, right there when a, when a, when a thought pops up, when a decision is ready to be made, when you have this thing of like, where am I going to go to school or how, who am I going to follow or what, you know, what am I going to do on the weekend or where am I going to spend my time, that you will think of these verses and that you will be reminded that God's, God's way is the best way. Uh, dear Heavenly Father, again, thank you for allowing us to get together and have this time, God. Um, I'm just so very grateful for the way that you've blessed my life. Um, like I said, it has not always been perfect, and there's been some really rough times, and I've watched people around me go through some really hard times. But I know at the end of the day, what you have in eternity is so much better than we could ever dream or imagine. But I also know here on this life, God, that you have better things planned for us when we choose to do the things your way. So thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross to be that perfect example. Thank you for giving us your word so that we have something to follow so that we're not doing this blindly. And thank you so much, God, for giving us each other.
to be willing to be in our lives and to say the hard things and to love each other enough um, to help make the very, very best decisions. Um, thank you for everything you've done. And in Jesus' name, amen.